God my Father There is no shadow of turning with Thee Thou changest not Thy compassions They fail not As Thou hast been Thou forever this afternoon that was John's favorite hymn by the way great is thy faithfulness if there's an attribute about God that we can rest in it's the absolute truth that God is absolutely faithful he is faithful every day every moment well I am Pastor Mark Testerman and we are here today to celebrate the life of John but celebrating the life of John with out celebrating the one who gave him life would be an empty victory. I met John on three occasions. Would you like to know the first place I met him? It was in church. In fact, it was in this church. The year was 2000. It was the day that Jason, his son, stood at this very altar and said, I do, to a beautiful young girl by the name of Sarah. And then Sarah in turn said, I do, to a very handsome Jason. It was a marriage made in heaven, and it brought me to absolute tears. Today I think about another marriage made in heaven, that is the marriage between God 
in John. And once again, it moves my heart to tears, not tears of sorrow, but tears of joy. That pretty young girl that John gave his son Jason to just so happens to be my daughter. Not only did John give Jason to Sarah, but John gave Jason to our entire family as a gift. A few years later, John would do the same thing as he would give his son Luke to Andy's family as a gift. John's sons are extravagant gifts to our family. It's the same thing that God did for us. He gave us His Son, Jesus, as an extravagant gift. We don't have to work for Him. We just receive Him as a gift. So on behalf of the Gorsline family, I count it an honor beyond words as I welcome you to the homegoing celebration of John Gorsline. Now the Bible tells us that we are made in the image and likeness of God. So it is with John's two sons, Jason and Luke. They are made in the image of their father. From their hearty laughs to their brilliant minds, Jason and Luke, just like their daddy, are dream big, fix anything, build anything, tear down anything, blow up anything, let's get it done kind of guys. And who did they get this from? They got this from their father. He imparted it. John's daughter-in-law, Sarah, said these words about her father-in-law. Dad made the biggest of everything out of the smallest of things. Friends, that includes the 55-gallon pipe bomb that I heard about that John made years ago when they lived in Waukegan. Dug a hole and planted that pipe bomb in the yard and then filled it with apples. Jason said there was a massive explosion and then there was this cry from the house from their mother, John! And then he said there was apples and applesauce for the entire neighborhood. Who thinks of something like this except the John Gore's line? I mean, he was a reality show that never happened, to be honest with you. I asked Jason and Luke for two words that best describe their daddy. Jason's words were hilarious and kind. Luke's words were funny and hardworking. You know, John was always working, and he was just funny wherever he went. But in particular, Jason was telling me, and Luke were telling me about the time where Jason was driving to work, and John was over in the rider's seat. Now, I'm going to embellish this a little bit, but it went something like this. What are you doing, Dad? Well, I'm studying, son. What are you studying, Dad? Well, I'm studying the encyclopedia. Well, why are you studying the encyclopedia, son? Well, I'm going to be on that show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, one of these days, son. So you figured he better cram as much information in him as possible. And so in order to qualify for that show, you had to call in and you had to answer all these questions. And so John did that repeatedly, of course, but you had to give your social security number when you called in. So after he burned through all of his opportunities to get on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, he decided that he would use Jason's social security number. And then after he burned through all those opportunities, then came Luke's social security number, and then Sarah's. And what's funny about that is simply, can you imagine him qualifying for Sarah, for example, and then all of a sudden, Regis Philbin is on the phone, Sarah, <laughs> you have won the opportunity to be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I find that brilliant and funny at the same time. The name John is as old as the Bible. It translates as the Lord is gracious. 
So if we were to nap his name down to one word, it literally means grace. John means grace. Every time someone would have said over the years, John, they would have been saying, the Lord is gracious. I know he sure is. The Lord is gracious. Religion came along and painted a picture of God that does not accurately reflect his loving grace and his true image and his true character. Religion works to undermine the magnitude of Jesus' shed blood on the cross. Religion is rules without relationship. It is commandments without connection. God's love and God's grace are so much more extravagant. Like John, larger than life and an extravagant in everything he touched, so it is with God's grace. What is God's grace? God's grace is his unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor that he gives us. He puts the richest deposit into our bankruptcy and he calls that grace. What a beautiful picture. Just like John, though, larger than life, extravagant in everything he touched, so it is with God's grace. God's always making the biggest of everything out of the smallest of things. The grace that saved John is the same grace that kept John saved. God doesn't save us and then make it our responsibility to keep us saved. Grace will not turn its back on you when you're down. Grace does not walk out on us when we make bad decisions. Grace does not wag a finger of condemnation when we sin. Grace does not divorce us when we are unfaithful. And grace does not abandon us when we fall and fail most miserably. That's when we need grace the most. Friends, the grace that carried John to the highest mountaintop was the same grace on March 16th that walked John through the valley of the shadow of death. There are not two separate graces. There is one God and one grace. And grace is the demonstration of God's love for us expressed through Jesus on an old rugged cross. Many years ago, that same grace stood at an altar in the person of Jesus and he said, I do to John Gorsline. And in turn, John Gorsline said, I do to Jesus Christ. And the marriage was made in heaven. The last time I saw John was also in a church service. And at the end of that service, as we stood, I put my arms around a hurting man and pulled him close. And I whispered into his heart these words. I said, John, God loves you. God really loves you. I saw tears well up in his eyes. Of course, that's nothing new with the Gores lines, right? I saw tears in his eyes as the Father was validating the supremacy of grace by reminding John, you are still my son and I love you just the way you are. In times like this, people want the comfort of knowing where their loved one's at. Did my loved one make it to heaven? And I believe really deep inside of us, every person wants to know, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to make myself ready for heaven? Because surely my turn will come. Friends, I have the assurance that John is in heaven and that you can go there one day too. You say, is that because everyone goes to heaven? The answer is no. Is that because heaven needed a handyman? The answer is no, although John would make a great handyman. You say, is it because John was a first-class daddy? 
Is it because John's good deeds outweigh his bad deeds? The answers to all these questions are a resounding no. John is in heaven, listen to me carefully, because of a single decision he made years ago. But rather than me tell you what that decision was, how about we let John tell you with his own words? You see, John graduated in 1974, and in 1984, they held his 10th year class reunion. And prior to that reunion, they asked everybody to write a summary, write a one paragraph, if you will, of what has happened in those 10 years since you graduated. And what is your future plans? What do they look like? These are the words that John wrote in that memoir. He said, I remember being the most low down, mean, rotten, filthy mouthed, and filthy minded student in school. He said, my greatest accomplishment is becoming saved by the grace of God through faith. Oh, those are powerful words, aren't they? Did you hear that? He said, this is my greatest accomplishment in life. I was saved by the grace of God through faith. He went on to say, I have enjoyed most my wife and two boys, Jason 5 and Luke 2. My goals in 1984 are to share with all the beauty of the Lord and the chance we all have for life everlasting. Well, I know the Gorslines are a construction family, and if I had to add two words to what John wrote, I would just say it like this. Nailed it! John, you nailed it! You couldn't have said it any better! In fact, he borrowed those words right out of the Bible. John realized when he looked in the Word, he realized that is exactly what saved me. Right there, it's found in Ephesians chapter 2. Did you notice though, John said, I've been saved by the grace of God through faith. Friends, you can't be saved any other way. Jesus didn't hang on an old rugged cross so that good people could go to heaven. Jesus hung on a cross so that sinners could be saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it was only through His wonderful grace that we have been saved through faith. That's exactly what John said. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation, for it is the gracious gift from God that brings us to Christ, or it is the extravagant gift from God that brings us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. Now, I want to segue into a very tender question that most people don't want to think about and they don't want to talk about, and that is this. What about the man or woman that starts out like John, saved by faith through grace? What about the man that is full of hopes and dreams and aspirations for the things of God and they seem to lose their spiritual footing along the journey? The head of their hammer flies off. The chalk line runs faint. The passions wane. Their foundation cracks and their compass fails them. Friends, let me tell you something. We are not held together by our emotions. We are not held together by our performance. And we're not held together by our own bag of tools. We are held together by Christ. The Bible says it's in Him that all things consist. It's in Christ that all things are held together. But let me explain that question through a word picture of how a man can be saved by grace through faith at the very beginning and then still struggle through life. You see, 
When it comes to Christianity, the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is the fact that we're forgiven. We still have struggles. We still have disappointments. We still have issues of life. The difference is all of our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future. That's the difference. But again, let me explain this situation through this word picture. Imagine a young man that joins the military. The first place they're going to take him is to boot camp. And during that boot camp, there is a transformation that begins to take place in that young soldier. Just like John, there was a transformation when God said, John, I'm going to give you eternal life. There was a transformation download. John became a new creation in Christ instantly. So this transformation begins in a young soldier. And during this time, he is indoctrinated with love, a love for his country, a love for the flag, a love for his comrades. And he would do anything for them. And then he is shipped off to war to fight in a country, in a distant land. And while he's there, he steps on a landmine and he loses one or both of his legs. They'll take him to a hospital, they'll send him home, and they'll come a day, he'll come out of that hospital, he'll go through therapy, and they'll fit him with the best prosthetic you can buy. But let me tell you something, his walk will never be the same. It won't be like it was before he went in. It will never be the same. Or what about that soldier who lives, he loses no body parts, but he sees all of his friends taken as casualties of war. He'll come home with PTSD probably, post-traumatic stress disorder, and he'll have all kinds of things that affect him, in particular the way he communicates. His talk may never be the same again. Here's the point I want to make. One, it affected the walk of the man. The other one, it affected the talk of the man. But he does not cease to be a soldier. And friends, I want to tell you something. Even when we struggle in life, even as believers, we never cease to be a son. We never cease to be a daughter of God. Why? Because we have this promise of everlasting life. John talked about it. Sometimes things come along that change our course in life. Many times they come in the form of hurts and wounds and disappointment. I think we can all identify with that, and that happened to John too. John was very active in the youth ministry. You saw some of the slides. Very active in the youth ministry at one time, and even studying to become a pastor. But someone came along and whispered the words in his heart, you're not qualified. You're not qualified. Wait a minute. You just had the audacity to tell a Gore's line, a man that can do anything he puts his heart to, that he's not qualified. You know, that belongs in Webster's Dictionary under the definition for foolish. The words you're disqualified may have affected John's walk and talk, but John never turned his back on God, and God never turned his back on John. He was his son. I wish that minister would have really known the heart of God because he would have seen the spiritual giant that John was created to be. You see, there's always things about people that you don't know. And I asked Jason and Luke to give me a few things about their daddy here that you might not know. I didn't know these things. He preferred titleless golf balls, and it always had to be the number three. I don't know what that was all about, but that's what he preferred. They said golf was the only game that he didn't cheat at. <laughs> I love this in parentheses that they know of. 
Only game he didn't cheat at. Sarah was talking about how dad would cheat, and then he would let you know like two or three months later, by the way, when we played that game last time, I cheated in that game. One of his favorite snacks was dill pickles and peanut butter put together. Two people like I don't know, that's just a combination that doesn't go together in my heart. There wasn't a fruit tree that wasn't fair game to eat from, and I think that's what John did. He realized God had put those trees here, and while I'm walking along, I guess that's the way he did it, just walked along, pick a pear, have one there, you know, pick an apple, eat it, you know, I don't know how he did it. Free food, you know. This one's kind of strange. He loved to eat apples, core and all. I mean, that's the seeds and worms and everything else, but cherries was always his favorite. Now, you've got to have a good eye for this. He could spot asparagus on the side of the road at 70 miles an hour. I mean, does asparagus grow on the side of the road? We're talking a farmer's market or what? It does? Well, I must have missed it on the side of the road. 70 miles an hour, though, that's moving along pretty good. I suppose he had you pull over and probably pick some asparagus too, right? <laughs> had to lock the brakes up or you were in trouble. If we were running late getting home from work, it was because we were looking for golf balls at every golf course along the way home. Pizza was best served. You guessed it. Is this a Gore's line back there? I take it you ate pizza with him. Best served with mustard and a green shaker of Parmesan cheese. Now the Parmesan I get, the, the mustard? You could tell where John had been working at last by the scattering of sunflower seeds that he had left behind. There had never been a reason to light off fireworks. It needed to be the 4th of July to light off fireworks. And so it was with John. Pipe bombs were best when mom didn't know anything about the fact that they were about to go off. Bonfires are fun if the local fire department is scared of their size, and Jason has definitely carried that tradition on. Motorized vehicles are best when the mechanical speed restrictions are removed. Did you guys know that? There was never a situation too serious to try and make someone laugh. Every sandwich must have French and Thousand Island dressing on it. I'm pretty certain if you tied his hands down, he'd never be able to tell a story. Probably most of all, if you needed help with anything, he'd be the first one to show up, the last one to leave, He'd give you the shirt off his back, the last dollar out of his wallet, the last bite of his sandwich, and he'd do it all only to let you know that you'd be okay. And he would do it with no expectation that he was getting anything out of the deal. That's just who he was. It's never been about being qualified or disqualified in God's eyes. It's about being justified. Let that ring in your heart for a second this afternoon. It's not qualified. It's not disqualified. It's justified. You see, the innocence of a child didn't qualify John for heaven. 
And the guiltiness as a man didn't disqualify John for heaven. It is the love and the blood and the cross and the grace of Jesus Christ that justified John and declared him fit for heaven. And how was John justified? By grace through faith. In Romans, we see this truth echo. Romans chapter 4, verse 25, and then Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Here's what the word says. Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. That word justification means our righteousness, our right standing with God. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've also gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly while we were the most low-down, mean, rotten, filthy-mouthed, filthy-minded people on earth. It was in that state of being that we had been saved by the grace of God through faith. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But this is how God demonstrated His love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? My closing scriptures. I love these scriptures because Jesus spoke them. And he spoke them out of the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 27 to 30. He said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And he says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. Did you hear what Jesus said, I'm going to give them? He said, I'm going to give them eternal life. Do you remember what John said when he wrote to the school? He said, my goals are to share with all the beauty of the Lord and the chance we all have for life everlasting or eternal life. Jesus said, my Father who has given them to me, my Father who has given John to me, is greater than all. All of our disappointments, all of our failures, all of our missteps, all of our sins. He said, my Father is greater than all. And then he repeated it when he said, No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I want you to remember those words that Jesus said as we fast forward to the end of Jesus' life. When Jesus was hanging on a cross, he didn't have a lot to say, but he did say some things. One of the things he said is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. He was saying, Daddy, when they come to you, forgive them. He looked at his apostle John and he said, John, behold thy mother. He was literally saying, my mother is your mother, John. He said, mother, behold thy son. And as his life was ebbing and flowing, coming and going, 
he was about to expire, some of the last words that Jesus said is he says, it is finished. What was he saying? He was saying, you will never, ever, ever relate to my daddy ever again through rules. It will be through a relationship. And when my daddy puts his arms around you, he'll put his arms around you once and for all. And then the last words that Jesus cried from the cross. Come on, these are Jesus' last words. What will they sound like? What will they be? They were the words. Father! Daddy! Into your hands I commit my spirit. The hands that Jesus fell into at death are the same hands that John fell into. They are the Father's hands. They are the very hands of triumphant grace. The hands that Jesus spoke of when he said, no one can snatch you from my Father's hands. John built a lot of things with his hands, but his salvation was not made by his own hands. His salvation was made through the nail-driven hands of the one that was crucified on the cross, the one that loved him like nobody loved him. His name is Jesus, and this extravagant gift of life comes exactly, exactly the way John said it would come, by grace through faith in Christ. Amen.
for your guiding hand Thank you for making my dreams come true You're an extraordinary man And I hope that you're as proud of me As I am proud of you nailed it when he said, I am standing upon the seashore. A ship at my side spreads her sails to the morning breeze and starts for the blue ocean. She's an object of beauty and strength, and I watch her till at last she hangs like a speck of white cloud, just where the sky and sea come down to mingle with one another. And then someone at my side says, she's gone. Gone? Gone where? Gone from my sight, that is all. She's just as large in hull, in mass, in spar as she was when she left my side and just as able to bear her load of living freight to the place of destination. Her diminished size is in me, not in her. And then someone says, she's gone. And at that very moment, there are other eyes watching and other voices ready to take up the glad shout, Here she comes! And so it was with John. When we were saying our goodbyes, heaven was already saying, Here he comes! Here he comes! Friends, we've got that kind of hope. And that hope is found in a person. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the grace man. Daddy, I want to thank you this afternoon as... You have reached down and put your arms, your loving arms of grace around this family. What a beautiful family. What a wonderful tribute to that song. Thank you for being my dad. I want to thank you, Father. We have that great hope because you're a wonderful father. You're the role model for us to be fathers. And I want to thank you for this life that you gave us with John, a man of, of destiny, a man of power, a man of impartation. And I have watched how you have imparted all these wonderful qualities into not only his two sons, but into our entire family. So we thank you as we reflect on John's life. We thank you that we count him a gift to the body of Christ and a gift to the world. And we thank you, Father, that we have this great hope. The Bible calls it a hope, a great expectation of eternal life because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. 
So in the days to come, I'm thanking you that you are going to comfort this family. Tell them how much you love them. Remind them, Daddy, how much you care about them. And Father, we thank you. We thank you that Jason and Luke run with this torch now. They run with a part of their own father. All the riches that he's deposited on the inside of them. And how awesome that will be. Father, we thank you. Our lives are so much richer and so much fuller because of this man we call John C. Gorsline Jr. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.